0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. All right, we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. The month of September is here. And, you know, Eddie, the Friday before Labor Day, it's always kind of like, here we go, baby. Here we go, it's college the football. time of the year. It is. College football is alive and well. Loaded slate tomorrow, a couple of state games Thursday night, tonight as we record this on Friday morning. And now we've got roster cuts that just took place um, on Tuesday. We wanted to wait to hear from Chris Ballard, a couple other news items Shaquille Lena related, some super positive developments on that front. Um, so I wanted to kind of get through all of that. This will be our last pod until – wednesday we'll come back wednesday by that point we'll see an injury report we'll hear from frank reich and that will kind of be how we operate during the season you know the the monday recaps the wednesday previews is is one of what i would love to um do during the season i guess i will alert everyone that uh, currently as we record this on friday morning my wife and i are due with our second child here um it sounds like in about a week so that's exciting uh, congratulations i appreciate that um so obviously very thrilled about that, but the pod will take a bit of a hiatus when the second child <laughs> comes. So um, if you don't see it in your feed for a handful of days, uh, there's probably a new, a new baby bone in the world. So hopefully everything is healthy and smooth on that front. Eddie, before we get into roster cuts and Chris Ballard, um, I do want to apologize for a tweet that I had yesterday um, that I certainly should have read over and thought of before I hit send. And you know I love Twitter. I think Twitter is awesome. I'm a big fan of it. Um, where I think Twitter is probably at its, I don't know, hardest area to, I don't know, convey would be like showing when you're trying to make a joke of something, and when you're trying to be honest about something, and like the sarcasm meter is very difficult to find on Twitter. I think people that follow me realize. For the most part, I'm pretty robotic on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty like, you know, here are quotes from a press conference, here's a story, here are some facts. Yeah. Know, obviously, I insert my opinion at times. I'm also a really big, like, three line tweeter, if you've ever noticed. Mm-hmm. I try to use all the characters because why I love the pod so much is like, dude, we could talk forever. You can explain yourself very, very well. Um, so the tweet that I had was in reference to Harold Landry's ACL tear. And I don't have the tweet pulled up right now. Again, I I went back and and deleted the tweet. Um, But basically, it was something along the lines of, like, the two best Colts news items of the offseason. A.J. Brown traded to the Eagles and Harold Landry tearing his ACL. Um, I think listeners of this podcast, Eddie, will know there is not a topic I hate to discuss more than injuries. Mm Mm-hmm absolutely, utterly hate it. I wish we all could play the Madden video game and turn off injuries.
1: Uh, turn, turn off the injury... Uh, Oh, what is it? Slider. That's turn it off, called. man.
0: You know, whether it's Paris Campbell, whether it's Malcolm Brogdon, whether it's Harold Landry, it, I just absolutely hate injuries. Um, and looking back on that tweet, I can certainly see where people looked at it and were like, that is very insensitive by me. So... That was not my intention at all. My intention was to simply say, if you're going to look at... The big picture. Events of the offseason, maybe it's like a better way to put it, Eddie. If you're going to rank you know, the top 10 events of the offseason that have put the Colts in a position that you guys have heard me say now for several weeks, this is the most confident I've been with the Colts in the AFC South in years. And if you're going to rank the events... You could arguably say the two biggest events, and again, it's an awful shame that Harold Landry tore his ACL. You could say AJ Brown's trade and the Harold Landry ACL might be the two top events. You know, Matt Ryan, of course, that acquisition in Gokwe, et cetera. You could throw a lot of things also up there on that list. So, You know, in no way, shape, or form did people think, do I want people to think, and I wasn't thinking this, that I was happy about the injury or cheering for this. I think listeners of this podcast know full well we come at it from a very objective point of view. Um, So after reading it, I was like, all right, clearly there's an insensitive tone with this. So I deleted it and said, uh, I'm going to explain on the podcast where I get, you know, five to 10 minutes just to kind of express everything.
1: Um, I mean, that's like one of the harder things too with social media is like you put something out and it's like it can be viewed a different way because there's no tone behind it. Right. And and you have to read it through a phone.
0: And you know what? That's part of the responsibility that comes with being able to hit send on that. So I I am not running from that. You know, I feel very grateful um, and realize there's a lot of responsibility, Eddie, that comes from talking in this mic. And I do it three hours every morning. We do it for about an hour to two hours on the podcast each week. That's a lot of time, and I know there's a lot of people that follow me, and I'm very grateful for that. So um, I apologize to anybody out there that I might have offended with that tweet. Uh, that is certainly not where I was going at all with it. Um, feel awful for the Titans. Feel awful for Harold Landry. I've a few times of seen or heard or even talked to people associated with the Titans. Harold Landry seems like a great guy. Um, I guess you know a little bit of silver lining for him. I'm glad he got paid. Yeah. You, know, you know, when you think about this, I mean, he had a great season last year with 12 sacks and um, hate injuries, hate injuries. Uh, it's the worst part of sports. I mean, I find myself, I don't know about you doing this, Eddie, but like, I find myself like watching plays and literally like waiting for everyone to get up. Yeah. You know, I, I don't that. know. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm a little like scar tissue with that, but like, I, it just, it's just the part that I absolutely, absolutely hate. Um, so yeah, I don't want to belabor it too much i think with all that being said you know i i stand by the premise of what i was trying to say again i should have reread it edited it maybe not even tweeted it out maybe i should have thrown out the hey thinking about harold landry and the titans i don't know something like that um but the premise of it was in the continued closeness of the season now a week from sunday there continues to be things that happen that have me thinking the Colts are in the best position they've been in in quite some time to win the division. Um, and unfortunately, injuries insert that picture. It's the same yeah. reason why when Andrew Luck's been out, the other AFC South teams have had yeah. great chances to you know win um, this division. Um, so yeah, whether it's the A.J. Brown trade or the Harold Landry injury, there's a reason Tennessee went six and three without Derrick Henry last year and those two guys were big big parts of it and it's a reason why Danico Autry had big sack numbers and um you know because Landry commands some stuff and still produces at a really high level there so uh, yeah the injury bug right now for the Colts looks to be really really good all 22 guy all 22 starters practicing this week we'll get into the Shaq Leonard stuff um a little bit later in the pod but I did want to begin there before we get into the final roster cuts.
1: Yeah, that's one thing that happened between our last pod and uh, today is the roster cuts. So Are there any that stood out to you? Any players that you were surprised that made the 53-man roster?
0: Yeah, if you don't mind, Eddie, let's just go position by position. I, I just feel like that's kind of the easy way to do it. Quarterback-wise, we thought Ellinger all along. Um, I do think he would have been claimed. Ballard is pretty adamant that he feels like he would have been claimed. Ian Book and Kellen Mann, if I'm not mistaken, were the two yep. quarterbacks. That got claimed. Um, you would think that Ellinger would have been in that group, and again, with how healthy your 53 man roster is, it makes a lot of sense. The Philip Lindsay one surprised me, um, and you know Ballard has made it clear that you know Philip Lindsay could come back, so I think that's something to keep in mind. You know, I was looking up Lindsay. You know, he played on special teams last year in Miami and Houston. He played four special team snaps this preseason. So, I, a part of me is like, you know, I don't know, maybe he's just flat out terrible on special teams, but part of me was like, four special team snaps? I mean, shouldn't you have given him a little bit more of a look on special teams to yeah. try and kind of earn a role there? Because from watching camp, and I know the staff loves Deion Jackson, Deion Jackson, Eddie, I would, ass- I would guess he had a handful of fumble ball security moments that were like awful. He had one in the joint practice with the Lions. Live rep, third and goal from the one, with the starters, and he just coughs it up. Um, that is like the biggest no-no of all no-nos when you're inserting, you know, that third running back just for those one to two plays a game. Yep. And you've brought it up before. It's what, 700-some touches? I thought it was over 800. Over 800 touches for Philip Lindsay, and he's never fumbled in his career. And I just feel like running back means a little bit more here. So... Yeah, you know, I, I I understand where the Colts are coming from. Like Marlon Mack was inactive for all those games because he couldn't play special teams. Well, again, you still had Marlon Mack on your fifty-three. You know, you you, you don't even have Lindsey on your fifty-three right now. Um, so that's where I'm just like a little bit confused by it. You know, obviously Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines are extremely healthy throughout. I also think Hines. It, you know, he's just the—we were trying to come up with names of it on the morning show this week, Eddie. He's like the wild cult. You know, insert, I feel like defensive side of the ball, you have more of those weird names for positions. Viper, Joker, Rover, Rover. you know, all that. I'm, I'm Husky. Trying to, yeah, Husky. I, I'm trying to think of something for Hines, and nothing really comes to mind <laughs> for me. But what I'm getting at is he's just not your backup running back. He is just a guy that, you know, is kind of a hybrid running back wideout. Um, so, yeah, that one probably surprised me a little bit there. out wise those were the six that I had as well. Kiki Kuti on the practice squad makes sense. I'll be curious to watch late next week. Do you promote Kuti on game days? You know, you get the three practice squad. Yeah. You get two practice squad promotions. You can do it for a player three times a year. So how you play that out will be something to keep an eye on. But Mike Strawn, Desmond Patman rounded out that group. Tight end makes total sense. I saw they made a waiver claim for a tight end. Was not awarded that player. I'm trying to – Trayvon – is it Mesco or Wesco or something? He probably – if you're going to bet on where the waiver claim came from, you probably should bet he played for the Jets and he was claimed by the Bears. (laughs) I feel like, oh, this guy's 26 years old. Um, well, I didn't realize he was a fourth-round pick back in the day. Uh, I saw the Colts made a waiver claim there, and, and that doesn't shock me. Again, I think tight end is a position still to keep an eye on. Offensive line, um, I like the fact that they brought back Dennis Kelly. You know, he's had the knee injury, and we haven't seen him yet. So I, I just think you need some experience. And I asked Ballard that question because at the time I asked him, the three backups were Luke Tenuta. Sixth round pick. Wesley French undrafted free agent. Will Fry, seventh-round pick from two years ago. And then Bernard Ryman this year. You know, those guys have combined to play, like, 20-some snaps in the NFL. Last year, your backups in September on the O-line had combined to play, like, 70, have 70 starts in the NFL. Starts versus snaps. Uh, but I think if Dennis Kelly's healthy, he obviously brings a veteran presence there. Uh, do you know John Tenuta at all, Eddie Garrison? No. Should I? I believe John is the father of Luke. John is one of the crazier college football coaches I've ever seen. He was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator for a few years. That man would go cover zero, blitz nine on first down.
1: So he played Madden is what he would
0: do. Yes. Okay. Tanuta's tall, 6'8", was a right tackle at Virginia Tech when they had Christian Derisal, and then Derisal went pro. He slid over to the left side. Um, You know, this is an area we don't talk a ton about, Eddie, But, like, these are more of the chances and picks I would have liked to have seen the Colts take in the draft at tackle. You know, since Anthony Costanzo flirted with retirement, you know, the Colts really didn't draft the tackle at all. Nope. Until Ryman. You know, from Zach Banner on, you know, Braden Smith was not drafted to be a tackle. He was drafted to be a guard. Um, By no means am I saying Luke Tenuta's is your left tackle of the future. But I just think taking a chance on a day three frame that you like and try to develop makes a lot of sense. So, we'll see how long Tenuta's on the roster, but... Um, I am good with that. Defensive line, that was a surprise. You know, Byron Cowart was not a name that I had. Um, I did say on Tuesday on our morning show, I'm like, I'm starting to get the feeling that Curtis Brooks is going to get the scissors. He just seemed like the one draft pick. Yeah. You weren't going to keep both Eric Johnson and Curtis Brooks. Brooks battled a little bit of an injury in camp, nothing too long, but I just didn't see a whole lot of flash from him. He is back on the practice squad. That was the 6th or 7th round pick out of Cincinnati, right? Correct, yeah. 7.5 sacks for Cincy last year. Um, I would love to have seen Taylor Stallworth brought back here. You and I were texting about that. I, I've I've always loved Stallworth, and plus he's just funny. You have to
1: wonder if it was a more of a schematic thing than anything else.
0: Yeah, the D-line approach has changed a lot. Linebacker, this had some news. So, you know, the other question I asked Ballard, what was the hardest roster cut? He led on Sterling Weatherford, acclaimed by the Bears, so the Cicero, Indiana native will go to Chicago. The Colts made a special teams move here for Grant Stewart, who is from Tampa Bay. To be a good special teams player, do you have to have crazy hair? Yeah, I think that's a prerequisite. Have you ever seen Bubba Ventrone's hair when he played? It was long, wasn't it? Flowing. This Grant Stewart's got some of that. Oh, yeah. So basically what the Colts did is they traded, they swapped 6th and 7th rounders with Tampa. So, you know what, you trade back 30 or 40 spots, and you get a guy that played 311 snaps on special teams last year. That's a big number. That would have been the 4th most on the Colts roster last year. If you look at who was above or who would have been above Stewart on that list, Matthew Adams is number 1. He's gone. Zaire Franklin's number 2. And Zaire Franklin's a starter for you right now. He wasn't a starter for you last year, so... Does he still play the same amount of snaps on special teams? Right. Three on that list, George Odom. Well, he's gone. And then if you want to go a little bit further on that list, to five, six, seven, you get Jordan Glasgow in there. He's no longer here. You get Rigoberto Sanchez in there. He's obviously done for the year, and I get he's not a cover guy, but still. exactly. Um, And then Ashton Doolin is also on there. And, you know, is Doolin going to play more on offense? You know, these are all questions that you have. So I know some people are like, oh, man, they should have just kept Weatherford. If you can get a special teams demon and Stewart appears to be that, I'm good with them trading back 30 or 40 spots. Like, I'm fine with it. From the spring, JoJo Doman was the guy for me. I mean, from the spring, he was making impressions. And I just felt like he kind of earned it a little bit longer. Does Weatherford have a few more measurables? Definitely. Um, But I understood where they're going there with Doman and um, and the trade for Stewart. Um, Plus, you get three years of control with Stewart.
1: He's under contract this year and then two more.
0: He was Mr. Irrelevant, right, out of Houston?
1: Yeah. First team All-AAC in, I think it was like 2020, and then second yeah. team All-AAC in 2019.
0: So what, Will Fries would have been the Colts pick in that seventh round, and then Stewart was the last pick yeah. of that draft. Man, some teams are probably pissed that he went <laughs> that last pick, considering his special teams prowess. Uh, let's go to corner. Uh, Dallas Flowers, I thought practice squad for him, but he earns a 53-man roster spot, and you know they've moved Tony Brown to the practice squad. Now that's another one I'll be watching. Does Tony Brown get bumped up next week? Does Flowers dress? You know, that'll be something that I'll be watching. Uh, and then it's safety, no surprise there. It's a shame Trevor, Trevor Dembo got hurt. I'm not 100% sure exactly what the injury is. Sounds like IR to return, though, for him. Um, but, yeah, Rodney Thomas was, was definitely a lock. I thought he finished the off season really well. So, you know, again, youth on the O-line, that's a little surprising to me. Defensive tackle, a little surprising. But outside of that, Eddie, I, did, I can't say I was overly surprised too, too much. Did you calculate how many picks you got right? I want to say, I think I missed three or four. I don't know. It's kind of hard because it's like. I know you didn't have Wesley French. That was one of them. Right. Like I'm pretty sure I had Dennis Kelly, but maybe not Wesley French. Like, but does that count? Because then Dennis Kelly was re-signed, you know, like two yeah. days later. You know some of this is technicalities. I didn't have Flowers or Cowart uh, and Cowart, um, and then the trade for Stewart, right? Know, that Weatherford
1: would have been on the roster
0: had that. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, and Lindsey. So I guess yep. I had a, probably a four, probably a solid four, um, that I missed there on the cutdown. So we'll see how the roster continues to play out. Again, very fluid. Um, I think that'll be the case into next week. Do you think the Lindsay decision um,
1: was based off of how the other positions <laughs> fell and that maybe if, you know, Strawn or Patman in that wide receiver room can play special teams and maybe they go with Lindsay over Jackson?
0: You know, I kind of thought this, Eddie. When Ogletree went down the torn ACL, I thought, okay, no more four tight ends. Three tight ends and four running backs. I bumped up running back. That was my extra spot on offense. And now looking at it, they loved Doman, Flowers, and Denbo, the three undrafted guys, so much that that's where they went extra. Pick one of those spots, but they went extra with the special teams guy, either a linebacker, either at corner or safety. Um, And I, I get four running backs is probably not the norm, in the NFL, especially but,
1: when you have three quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe that plays into some of it. I, you know, and I don't want to act like I'm losing sleep over the Lindsay thing. Right. Like I, you know, it's if you look at Taylor's track record, he's going to be pretty darn healthy. Yeah. All year long, but, but that position. You better just, knock on wood over there. Yeah, I'm, I've got my pen. I'm kind of doing it over here. If you can hear that, um, I just feel like it means a little bit more here. Lindsey, I think, is a little bit better than a Marlon Matt coming off the Achilles last year. I don't know. We'll see if he comes back if he get into that situation. Uh, Let's go to the Chris Ballard presser next. Again, this was Wednesday afternoon. A couple people tweeted this at me. I think it was a CW. Yeah, he goes. did Ballard seem extra snippy today, or am I just reading uh, <laughs> that he just had a cut a bunch of guys, so he's naturally going to be grumpy? I, I did think he was a hair little regular season mode. You know, usually he's a little bit more. Um, I don't know if jovial is the right word, but yeah, he did seem kind of, kind of locked in, kind of, yeah. kind of ready to go there. Um, it starts at the top. It starts at the top, certainly, Um, and let's start at the top of the defense. Shaquille Leonard, Eddie, that update there, two days in a row for him this week. We all saw the highlight of the interception, I assuming that's a 7-on-7. You know, just watch that highlight of the interception. He didn't really move. (laughs) He just kind of like fell back into coverage a little bit, and
1: then his ball just kind of found him.
0: And I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's not like he showed off absurd athleticism on the play, right? but what he showed off was instincts, and I'm feeling Desmond Patman behind him, kind of shifting to his left, and then he showed off just natural born gift, a natural born gift of a wingspan. Because yeah. he then reaches out with his right hand to make that play. And again, that's just what Leonard brings. Like Zaire Franklin, unfortunately, probably just doesn't have the wingspan to make that sort of play. I mean, I watched a lot of college football last night eddie and you know aiden o'connell and sean clifford for purdue and penn state you watch some of those end zone shots and when they get rid of the ball and those are two six-year quarterbacks i mean you throw with anticipation i mean you throw guys open yeah like, and you've got to take chances and clearly i assuming that's nick Foles, you know he probably just thought all camp long i haven't had to worry about leonard and that's what he can do for you um I don't know. I'm starting to shift a little bit of my tone here with with Leonard and when he's going to come back. I thought week three. But two things on my mind about this. First off, can't you just pitch count him? Where does Shaquille Leonard struggle if there is a struggle of his game? That's a good question. People would probably say against the run. Not like the elite run defender. Okay? Why not just play him on passing downs in Houston? Why not play him in just two minutes? Why not play him in the red zone where maybe the field shrinks he's not doing as much like I, I don't know like things like that can you play him 20 or 30 snaps? Uh, that's something that is kind of popping into my head. The second thing is this you know I've covered the Colts and you know been around the NFL now for probably about a dozen years. Eddie, I'd love to think back on a time where a guy has practiced six straight sessions. And not played in that game. And that's where Leonard is trending towards. Practice yesterday, Thursday. Practice the day before Wednesday. They'll practice on Labor Day Monday. Then they'll practice again Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That would be six total practices. I get that Ballard said this past week it's the first day of spring for him. You know, the the rehab staff was really watching him. On that first practice. If you watch the interception highlight, he doesn't run back with it. He hands it to Julian Blackman, you know, kind of how he did a couple times last year uh, on some of those plays. But I mean, six straight days, he's in full pads. It just seems like it's trending a little bit earlier than week three. And if you're going to hold him out, that is a Ballard, Reich, Ursay, everybody in a room saying, Shaquille. We know you want to be out there. We want you at, we think if we hold you out, we can get you to 100% by week three. The risk of re injury is not there. You know, is this just a pain threshold thing? Yeah, I, those are all kind of curious questions that I have about this. But um, whatever it is, it's good news. He's it off is. pup and he's practiced back to back days. And if you were to ask me on Monday, Eddie, would that happen? I would have been skeptical, but I would have said, if you're a Colts fan, you sign on the dotted line wherever you have to, Yeah, because that's great news. Yeah, and you hear Chris
1: Ballard mention that he said he, it's the best that he's probably felt since 2019, and then Leonard even walked that back and said, oh, it's probably 2018. is This is the best that i felt since then, and then kind of piecing together some of the other things they've said, like... Frank Reich, I think it was last week, went out of his way to bring up Leonard. He goes, Look, he's probably not gonna be a hundred percent when he comes back. He's gotta be comfortable playing at 95 right. percent 90, whenever he comes back. So part of me wants to also think that maybe they don't hold him they hold him out until he feels comfortable in that eighty five to ninety five percent versus throwing him out there for a pitch count because I don't know I don't think they've ever done something like that with any of their players. If you're going, you're going hundred percent. If you're not, you're not.
0: Yeah, that's there's probably some validity to that. I I don't know. Maybe there are a couple pitch count cases that I'm not really thinking of right now. Um, and I guess lastly on Leonard, and you bring up you know that rookie year, that New England game on Thursday Night Football. The Colts were decimated in that game with injuries. Yeah, it is something that you don't. Know, I've always thought I'm like, man, Leonard really tapes up that ankle. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. something that you just kind of notice and, um, but. Um, where does that put him at as a player? And he's missed eight months, so you know that's a lot of time. And is there rust? You know, we'll we'll see how all of that plays out. And maybe the Colts do feel like, hey, Bobby and Zaire lined up next to each other all camp long. I thought both of them made several plays. Bobby, I thought had a really good camp. You've got Buckner, you've got Gilmore. Should you win in Houston without Shaquille Leonard, one thousand percent. I know it's not necessarily the mindset you have when you've lost eight straight season openers, but gosh, a little bit of a human element. To that, uh, let's shift gears to T.Y. Hilton. Oh, yes, continues to be a question. Um, at times this offseason, I felt like it was the ex girlfriend or boyfriend that you just don't want to say no to one final time,
1: especially with his poster still being up <laughs> on the side of Oil yeah, Stadium. Yeah,
0: it's like, um, It's like removing all the pictures from your Instagram if you break up with someone. You know, I feel like that's like the Leonard, Leonard's hanging, or uh, Hilton, not Leonard, Hilton's hanging by a thread up there on Lucas Oil Stadium, but yeah, until they take that down, you know, that X is not totally out of the picture. I felt like I heard Ballard talk this week, Eddie, and I thought the comments shifted towards respect for a Ring of Honor type player. I just don't think they publicly want to say it's over, and then, obviously, if Pierce or Campbell or somebody goes down, is that when you would make a call? Now, you were in the high school football scene. Yeah, You broadcasted Westfield and New Pal to open up the season for those uh-huh. that are not familiar with our market. Uh, it's a couple of suburban Indianapolis high schools. Westfield's quarterback is the son of Chris Ballard. Tonight, the Westfield Shamrocks are playing the Zionsville Eagles. Zionsville's sophomore wide receiver – is one Eugene Hilton. That means you'll have Chris Ballard and T.Y. Hilton theoretically in the same high school football stadium tonight. Those two grab a walking taco, get some nerd rope, and hang out by the fence and have a conversation.
1: (laughs) They probably would, but how much do you think it would be about the Colts. <laughs> well, I, knowing Ty, I think you'd want to know how some of the young
0: guys are doing. Yeah.
1: Um, at the same token, though, you look at Ballard, and he's like he values, you know, the the relationship away from football sure. even sure. greater sometimes.
0: And he's mentioned this. You know, I think maybe this might be like wide receiver diva scar tissue, but I think Chris has kind of said this before. Of like, I walked in here, knew Ty Hilton was a good player. But then I got in here and I didn't know there was a little bit more there to him, and so I think that probably is something that Ballard has appreciated. And again, yeah. some of that's probably just wide receiver diva. Like I, I get so tired of people that just assume T. Y. Hilton's like a diva because he plays wide receiver. Like right. not every wide receiver is a diva. Yeah, a lot of them are, but like that's not T. Y. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought, you know, with Ballard about Alec Pierce, you know, he's got to grow up. I just. At times with Ballard this offseason, Eddie, I feel like he's been super contradictory in his wide receiver comments. Yes. And this is what I'm getting at with the... There's a lot of stuff that Ballard does that I agree with. I see where he's coming from. I think it's good philosophy. I nod my head at all of that. There are some things that I disagree with, but I understand where he's coming from on. Like, I okay, I, I, I get your rationale. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand where you're coming from. Wideout is one where I don't agree and i also don't understand and i'll Mm -hmm. point out two specific scenarios why you go back to the february press conference at the combine he literally says we cannot act like paris campbell's our number two or number three on the depth chart through every step of the offseason free agency draft otas camp down to the preseason paris campbell's been two or three on the depth chart yep so that's one head scratcher the second head scratcher and you can go back well beyond this year. You could go hell, you could probably go back when they drafted Pittman. Ballard has always been a skeptic of college whiteouts coming in here and impacting. And I say coming in here, I mean the NFL and impacting yes. from day one at a consistent high level. And he says the other day, we need Pierce to grow up. I that's a lot to put on his plate when again, you yourself have mentioned that is a position that you it's tough to see guys truly impact from day one. The thing about Pierce that I do think there's a little bit of an exception from him, Pierce has such big playability mm-hmm. that like he can be that wide out that gives you one for twenty seven, one catch for twenty seven yards, but that's like a that's a jump ball that flips field and now you score a touch like he is like that. So I think that's something that does stand out um on that front but basically to summarize it with hilton he's not coming here unless an injury in my opinion do
1: you think ty would have an interest in coming back
0: that's the other side that i
1: think people forget about sometimes
0: yep 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 um that's a good question i i don't i don't know that for sure i don't um And, again, this kind of gets back to the T.Y. Like, he's just not a deep. Like, how many wideouts would just be, like, posting on Instagram their workouts and, like, yeah, here's Terrell Owens and Drew Rosenhaus doing crunches in the driveway. Like, you (laughs) know, it's just not. That's not T.Y. A couple other Ballard quotes before we get into Twitter questions. Hot Rod is our guy, I asked him. Are you looking at any other kickers? I get that when you get to September 2nd, Eddie, there's probably a bit of a public backing you need to have for your kicker. Mentally, yeah. it's probably healthy to do that. Me, skeptical. And then Quentin Nelson. He was asked pretty directly about positional value and can players transcend positional value? Ballard is a believer in that. You pay your best players. He's special. He's special to us. I think those quotes stand out. I mean, he's special. I think we all agree he's a special player. 100%. He's special to us. Again, Ballard holds that position and the character and the football work ethic and all that in high regard. So I think both sides have leverage. I think both sides want to be really quiet. Deadline spur action. I mean technically there's no real deadline in this. He's under contract for this season. The deadline comes next year. But there's kind of a soft deadline of probably next Friday or Saturday before the mm-hmm. season starts. What's the what's the hiccup? Is it the guaranteed money? Is it the annual Number of wanting to be above Trent Williams at 23, wanting to be above Joe Thune as a guard at 17 or 18, and he brought him up
1: specifically
0: in that uh,
1: that press conference on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. He said uh, yeah. you don't you didn't see Kansas City have any problem paying their guy th- right. that guy.
0: Yep, and he did he did point that out. Um, you know, I would say Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes they can operate probably a little bit differently with that, uh, but yeah, Quentin Nelson's going to be here long term. I I. I And that's kind of the moral of it, you know, if he signs a deal on September 10th versus whatever. Uh, He is going to be here. Uh, Anything else, Eddie, stand out to you or should we get to Twitter questions? Uh, Just one
1: quick thing about the Q front. Um, Do you think he would play underneath a a franchise tag if they didn't get to the point of a contract extension?
0: It's a good question. Quentin Nelson strikes me like the guy that would play football period
1: uh, i guess that is true i shouldn't ask him that should i
0: <laughs> well and I, I didn't mean it like that because obviously quentin <laughs> nelson when i asked him about playing in the preseason he literally looked like he wanted to throw me to lebanon um he may have th- he may have tossed you a little bit further than that yeah i maybe frankfurt shout out to the hot dogs uh you know tom condon caa his agency yeah i don't i don't see the franchise tag where again i I might try to slap it on. I know you're just kind of kicking the can down the road, and you have to get there at some point. But uh, what would that be, 17? Is that is that what it is, 17 or 18? I'm not sure. I'd have to look that it's one up. 17 or 18 million. He's making north of 13 this year. So it would be a pay increase. But obviously you would delay his ability to sign a long-term deal. So I'm going to guess... His agency would be very disappointed with that.
1: All right, let's, we've got about a dozen Twitter questions to get to, so let's get into it now. Let's
0: dive into them. Uh, Travis, you're up first. Thoughts on Stewart and
1: what's our picks for 2023 now after the Carson Wentz,
0: uh, Ryan Cross, and Stewart trades? Okay, Travis, so you've got a first, second, your own. Your th- the third from Washington because you traded your third for Nick Cross. Um, you still have your fourth and your fifth. You swap six and seven, so that makes two sevens. One from Tampa yep. and your own. I think I have that right. Um Yeah, you know, I talked about Stewart a little bit earlier. I, I like it. I mean the Colts still have some ammo to move up. I mean they don't have a ton, and we've talked about this before. You know, a lot of teams that are quarterback needy have multiple first round picks, so um as much as I always love the draft, I can't fully grasp my mind around the draft. For a while here yeah which is which i think is a healthy thing yeah i'm ready yeah. to watch football yeah i mean backyard bro dude th- this sums it up eddie last night all right did you see ball state's first play of the season nope ball state 35 and a half point underdog tennessee's up 38 nothing a half time. i took the minus 35 and a half good for you my you did wow well i i should be mad at you for going against ball state but Smart, well, smart money. I
1: only did it because of the inexperience at quarterback, and I knew Tennessee's offense was going to be way, way too much for that Swiss cheese Mac defense that Ball State plays.
0: Boy, that was some harsh words, but accurate words on that front. So I show Maddie, my wife, the uh, first play of the season of Ball State with an interception, and she literally goes, why are you showing me that? <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a matter human being in the world that footballs back than my wife. I'm like, yeah, we've got Purdue tonight, we've got IU tomorrow, we've got Notre Dame Saturday night, and her, I was, I guess, in my head, it sounded like there, I sounded like she might have some joy in return when I said that phrase. Yeah, and I did not sense any joy in return. It was probably like an oh yay. Yeah, so apologies out there, but uh, hey, football season is here, baby. Does she care about Notre Dame? Uh, she cares because I care, but then at times she's like, man, second and twelve, and we're yelling that loud. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah. But, no, she cares because I care.
1: As you're decked out in all your Notre Dame gear I for I know. today. I
0: know. I, I could not look more fanboy today.
1: Uh, Rodney is spitballing here, and he said, did Ballard view Philip Lindsay in the same breath as Naheem Hines? Maybe he felt like they were doubled up there. I don't know. Just a pod question for later.
0: No. Yeah, I appreciate the question, Rodney. But, again, Hines is much more of a na- – he, he's not an in-between-the-tackle guy. I, I don't view him as doubling up. I, I don't. I think Hines, again, to the earlier point, he's a wild colt. He's just different. Um, so I, I do not think that Hines and Lindsay are similar in that way. Brian says he knows
1: it's preseason, but that's all he can go off of uh, based on what he's seen. Is Frank Reich putting too much faith in Nick Foles? He was quarterback three last year with the Bears, and Cool Ellinger has outplayed him in the preseason games, and I realized Sam was going to uh, go – a go up against backups and players that probably won't make the team uh that same can be said with fulls though This this carson wins 2.0 with reich and fulls yeah i uh,
0: i think we're getting a little bit too deep in the weeds with that one I, I the preseason is weird eddie like when things go well and individuals play well oh it's the preseason no, no, no. When good happens, we're ready to build the statue. Yeah. Like Sam Ellinger, like the guy, the fireman that did Peyton's statue, I think he just got Sam Ellinger renderings <laughs> for the statue. And then when it's bad, it's always excuses. You know, it's always of, oh, it's rust. Oh, it's, you know, that's what August football's all about, this and that. I, I'm totally fine with how the Colts are operating right now quarterback. Totally good with the pecking order on the depth chart. I've got no issue with it. Um you know, Ellinger's never thrown a pass in the NFL. Nope. And Sundays are different. Sundays in the fall are different. The speed is different. Everything's different. And, and like comparing it to Wentz, I mean, you gave up a first and a third rounder for Carson Wentz. You handed him the keys to the franchise. This is a debate about the backup or the third stringer when the starters missed one game in 14 years. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't think that they're the apples to apples in the comparison with that. So, I like what the Colts are doing with the quarterback. If Sam Ellinger can be your backup of the future, you know, maybe we'll have this conversation in 2023. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm totally fine.
1: Hey, Kevin from Low End Theorist. Hope you and the family are well. Any concern about Nelson not signing a contract yet? Thanks.
0: No. Again, there's a guard set in the market. Is it the biggest contract in O line history? You know, Jim Mercer, he certainly is not held back in his praise for. Nelson, I I think one thing to note I didn't mention earlier, Eddie, it is the first first first-round pick Ballard's ever extended. So, you know, that's just different. You know, there's a lot of differences to it. Is he
1: the only first-round pick Ballard has ever had?
0: Well, Hooker. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Forget about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Hooker was 2017. Nelson was 2018. So, yeah, I'm not saying that, like— Chris Bauer, you know, his bat, it was a second-ever draft. What I'm getting at is just there's complications with first-round picks and contracts. There's complications when the dude's been an all-pro every year. Yeah. And he plays guard and all of that. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot.
1: Mikey says, after re-watching the Seahawks and Rams games from last season, the offensive tackles were horrendous and Ryan Kelly was not much better. Should we expect the tackles to start stronger and be more efficient this season?
0: Yeah. Well, first off, Mikey, boy, that's a tough rewatch. I'm going back and watching the Seahawks and Rams games. Hope you last had a year. six pack on hand. Gosh, um, yeah, that's an understatement. You know, how, how healthy was Braden Smith. You know, I always feel like that was kind of a big thing. Um, prior and pass pro is what worries me a little bit more um, than run. I feel like from a run-blocking standpoint, again, he comes from the guard background, all of that. Uh, That doesn't worry me as much. Again, pass pro is what worries me. I didn't love what I saw in those Lions joint practices. You know, how used was he to Ngakwe over time? Um, So, yeah, I... (laughs) Yeah, I think you should expect Brain to start a little bit stronger. And I guess tackle to start the year. Correct if I'm wrong, but Eric Fisher didn't play in that opener, right? And then didn't he really struggle Correct. in the second game? Yeah. yeah. So just purely from a health standpoint, you should be a little bit higher. So I just
1: p- popped on Twitter real quick before we uh, before we get back to our next question. And old producer Joey Molinaro yeah. asked Jeff Brown if he wanted to go for a little Friday morning run. He said, I think I'll pass. That's great. That is great. Uh, Mario,
0: aloha in a quick space game-like Can I vent about Purdue for a second here? Oh, yeah, go for it. Let me send this text one, one quick second. Um, I don't have too much of an issue with the end of the game. I, I, your best player is Aiden O'Connell. You're trying to win the football game with his arm. I think in college football it's really hard to run out the clock by strictly running it. You were the worst running team in, the, in college football last year. I think the Jeff Rahm issues are more towards the end of the first half. That was bleeping horrific, the end of the first half. The jet sweep on the third and one with a fumble, and then just a pinball machine tackling effort on a glorified Hail Mary. I know it wasn't a Hail Mary, but Penn State needed like 30 or 40 yards to get into field goal range, and yet you give up a touchdown in that scenario. That, to me, is the biggest issue. It's a third and six. You've got a six-year starter at, at quarterback. T.J. Sheffield's open. O'Connell was so good for so many— so many long stretches last night if that ball's on the money that's how you do it frank Reich would have done the same thing there the peyton manning era teams would have done the same thing there the problem i had was it wasn't the third and six my problem was the
1: second and six okay that's
0: where i would have ran because jerome got four yards on first down yeah the second and six i I can hear you a little bit there because then you keep the clock running or penn state has to Force the timeout and then you know you can go to a screen to Charlie Jones, right? I, the one thing I would like to see is not throw it towards Joey Porter's kid every play. Oh Holy my god, that's a stud. Um, yeah, the second and six, I can hear you out on, but man, and I don't know if Colts, I mean, <laughs> we're just minutes away from a Frank Reich fourth down debate, you know, <laughs> obviously it happens every game, but Frank Reich would, would have done the same thing in that situation because on second down, that. You know, Penn State was probably thinking run there. Now, they got to O'Connell quickly. O'Connell made a great play, and Hal Payne-Durham almost made a hell of a catch there. But uh, the good news for Purdue, the schedule is not very good, which is great. And O'Connell's probably going to be the best quarterback in every game you have this year. Yeah. So, Sean Clifford made, made some big plays late, <coughs> um, but I think Aiden O'Connell... We'll get that Purdue team to eight wins.
1: This is a creative and fun question. Uh, this is, comes from Mario. Aloha, a quick Space Jam like question. Let's say our wide receiver room become the following wide receivers in their skills. You go. If, you say Space Jam? Yes. Okay. This all is right. what he's saying. Uh, all what chances do we have for a deep playoff run? Let's say Michael Pittman captures the talents of Mike Evans. Paris Campbell steals the talents of Hollywood Brown, Ooh. and Alec Pierce turns into McCole Hardman, and Ashton Doolin turns into John Ross III.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: Now, John initial, Ross still in the NFL. I was about to say, my initial thought here is well, you only have three wide receivers because Ross it would be hurt.
0: <laughs> well, and also, as Ashton Doolin had a better career than John Ross. Ooh. John Ross is a free agent. Oh, he's got a little bit more, more production than I thought he did. He's got 11 NFL touchdowns. No way. Seven touchdowns in 2018. Man, I had no idea. He had seven touchdowns on 21 catches. That is an absurd touchdown rate. Got an awful catch percentage 36%. Uh, wow, that is an interesting one. Great, great. Who'd you say that was from? Mario. Mario. Mario, that's great. Uh, if hey, if the Colts got that, I mean, you know, Doolin and Ross. If the Colts had Mike Evans, Hollywood Brown, and McCole Hardman, they'd they'd, I think they'd be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be grim Can you imagine that? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Even just one of those guys,
1: specifically like Mike Evans, would be nice, right? Although I am very high on Paris, uh, not Paris Campbell, but. Pittman for this upcoming same 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 Uh, Mike question for both of you guys I'm flying to Indy for my first Colts game week three against the Chiefs what are your recommendations for stuff to do and places to go pre and post game also anything I have to check out while I'm in downtown Indy
0: well let's hope for some great weather there on that front Um, Eddie feel free to chime in you know I think the Mass Ave district is great I think the canal area is kind of cool to walk around um, I always have said, I think pregame, you got to stop into Slippery Noodle just to kind of see the experience there. It's I think it's like the longest bar. It's been around the longest of any in Indy. It's right yeah. by Lucas Oil Stadium. Got a bunch of different rooms in there. I think it's fun to see that atmosphere pregame. It's not like I've been in there very often pregame. Um, the new Bottle Works district with uh, the garage. It's kind of like a glorified city market up there. It's nice. Got a nice little bar, bowling area called pins across the street as well where else eddie um
1: i was gonna say you can always go to like tailgating with a bunch of people sure i mean it's downtown downtown, georgia
0: street areas or areas to hit up from a tailgate post game that's a one o'clock kick right so you probably want to watch a four o'clock game somewhere you know district tap uh yard house kilroy's i like i like Yard house all, all those places right around downtown indy um, that are gonna have plenty of TV set up for you to check that out, yeah, yep. and if I see of any uh, events or any I would assume there'll be some like sort of fan fest type stuff for the home opener, Chiefs, yeah. all of that. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. Good question, Colton. Uh, what else is it going to take for Isaiah Rogers
1: to start? Seems like whenever he's in, he feels uh, whenever he's in, it feels like he makes
0: a good play. Isaiah Rogers, senior, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he made that clear. You know, um, I I love Isaiah Rogers. You guys have heard me talk about that. But Brandon Faison was the third corner all through camp. All through camp. I think he's longer. He plays outside in the scheme fit. That's why I think Gus Bradley feels more comfortable. Obviously, he has history with him. Um, but, I, I mean, I'd like to see Rodgers get a little bit of a shot. And, and the concussion, of course, didn't help things. Not that I think he would have challenged seriously with that. Uh, Netflix just announced
1: the Johnny Menzel documentary is coming out. Ooh, juice. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be just like the Manti Teo documentary. Oh, three boy. different parts oh, to it. Oh, boy. Um, Andrew, it's a little bit of a lengthy question here. Okay. I'm trying to break up the camp talk and third string right guard depth questions for the podcast so let me set this up for you ESPN approaches you and tells you that they want to make a 30 for 30 series for the Colts and they want you at the helm oh wow there'll be an, there will be 8 episodes every episode is an hour long with a different topic in the history of the Indianapolis Colts you have an unlimited budget access and you have a magic truth serum that you give to each interviewee what are the 8 episodes And why? Obviously, we know what number 1 should be.
0: Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. That is a terrific question. Terrific. Um, Eight episodes. Wow. Well, the namesake, obviously, would have an episode in the Andrew Luck retirement. I think that's rather obvious. Uh, The Peyton 2011 season... You know, did Peyton really think he was gonna play that season? Did the Colts just keep him on the roster to try and sell tickets? There's that like that indoor hidden practice late in the season of rumors of veterans late. Him in the trying year. to become the red zone QB. Yeah, all of that. I'm like, what? So that one. The love of thirty for thirty on Bob Sanders. Bit of a mystery man. Would love one on there. Um I didn't they do a thirty for thirty on the move to Indy? Like the Mayflower. I think move. so. Yeah. I I'd like maybe more of a more of the story on less about the move. I mean that, that was crazy in the middle of the night and all that. But more just like like I was told at one point like the Colts were gonna be going to Arizona and like Bob Ursay thought they were gonna be the Arizona Colts. And all of a sudden they became the Indianapolis Colts. Like I think it was a little bit more to that side of the story that maybe a lot of people don't know about. I love the Green Bay game. Pagano's first game back. Um, or Excuse me, Pagano's first game gone With leukemia, the orange gloves for Reggie Wayne All that, the 30 for 30 on that How about Jim Irsay as a human? Yeah It's a full on 30 for 30 on Jim Irsay Boy, that's probably close to 8 Something else, Eddie You know, the fact that the Colts Got Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck You know, if you look at the drafts around them Yeah. Yeah, Wasn't Eric Fisher the number one overall pick Mm -hmm. the year after Luck? Yeah. The week 17 games that played out for the Colts to get the number one pick in those years, like, were down-to-the-wire games for the Colts. And then I think in the Peyton year, I want to say like Jake Plummer had to lead like a two-minute drive late in the year for Arizona to win that game. Therefore, they had one extra win, and that put the Colts at one because I think the Cardinals and Chargers maybe trade. I don't know, something along those lines in 98 for Peyton to go one and then Leaf obviously to go two. So, yeah, just kind of like – what could have been sort of 30 for 30 type storyline. I don't know. Am I am I forgetting anything? I can't think of anything
1: else. Maybe just like the to figure out what the relationship was actually like between Pagano and Grixon. Ooh, now nah, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> that is a good one. Uh spoiler alert, not good. Yeah. But yeah, that that's okay. I like that one. Uh oh, the whole Josh McDaniel situation. Man, Did I, tell I I'm all? forgetting a few. I might need to. We might need 10 episodes, Andrew. We might need to go with 10 here. That's a great question.
1: It is. Very creative. Back-to-back creative questions. Yes. Rob, uh, what kind of stat line does Paris Campbell need to have for the Colts to offer him a second contract prior to free agency, or does his availability ultimately weigh more into the decision than his production? Yeah,
0: it's 98% availability. When I say stat line, show me his games played. Did he play 14 or more? If he did that, his number should be decent enough that he will be back here. You know, we'll, we'll get into what that deal looks like, length, you know, injury incentives, whatever. But, yeah, it's all about games played. Um,
1: about yeah, I agree with you there. This one comes from Henrik. He is from Finland. Ah,
0: okay. Henrik. Sorry he, we couldn't get to you last week, brother.
1: Uh, he sent me this question on Twitter. Uh, he says, hi, I'm Henrik from Finland, and I listen to Kevin's Corners Weekly. Could you present this question to Kevin on the next pod? If you had to make a $1,000 bet on Paris Campbell plays over under 11 and a half games during the regular season of 2022, which way would you go?
0: Oh my gosh. I did one of those Reddit AMAs earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, and I got this question, and they put eight and a half. And I'm like, dude, again, this gets back to my Harold Landry point from earlier. I hate injury questions. I just hate them. It's impossible to predict. You know, you remember Paris Campbell getting hit by Harrison Smith a couple years ago on the knee? Yeah. Doesn't that end the season for any player in that situation? Yeah. I mean, that hit helmet right on the knee in that air. like it's just, How many games did he say? 11 and a half. Oh my God. I would take the over. I never expect injuries. Gosh, you, you, you live in such a I, I wish I had that mindset. I don't know, Henrik. I, I obviously I hope it's over. I hope every player in the NFL stays healthy and gets to play seventeen games this year. I know it's probably not not reality. He had a really healthy camp. Yeah. It's impossible for me to sit here and and predict that. I might just start a Abstaining from injury questions, which is really <laughs> like a very, like, I should say injury predictions, which is really like a very anti thing for me to do. Yeah. I, I'm a, I try and pride myself in like answering everything. You ask it, you guys know I want to be super interactive with this podcast. We do these Twitter questions every week, but just, and I feel bad because Henrik's from Finland and just sent this in. Because it's from Finland, I'll answer it, I'll say over. But from now on, no more injury prediction questions. Deal. I don't know if I'll stay true to my word on that, but it sounds good right now.
1: Let's see if we can make a last one, Pod. Okay. Uh, This question comes from Todd, or Tom, sorry. Not to be doomsday-ish, but is there a scenario that would lead to leadership changes? For instance, if we start 2-7, and beat Houston, split with the Jags, get swept by Tennessee, I got to think Ursay would be boiling. Division basically gone at that point. Hope that doesn't happen, but I have high hopes uh, and I feel two and seven is more probable than
0: seven and two. History says two and seven. Eddie, pull up those first seven games, or like, pull up those first nine games. Uh, would Urse be boiling at two and seven? Yes. Would he fire them? No. No. Are right, you ready for the games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give give us the first nine, home and away as well.
1: All right, I'll just go week one to week nine. Kay. Houston, week one. Jacksonville, week two. Both are on the road, as we've well documented. Uh, Kansas City is at home, week three. Home against Tennessee, week four. You're at Denver, week five. Home against Jacksonville, week six. At Tennessee, week seven. Home against uh, Carson Wentz and the Commanders, week eight. And then you're at New England, week nine.
0: I mean, I, I just heard at least four wins, right? I heard six. Six and one? Oh, uh, six and three. Yes. I keep on thinking there's only seven of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably have them six and three, honestly, in that nine game stretch. Jacksonville, you said, at home?
1: Yeah, they have Jacksonville with yeah, six. Jacksonville twice.
0: Yeah. Houston on the road. Commanders at home. Yeah, yeah I, I I can't go there. Tennessee but, but, at but home. I guess we need to play along with Tom's hypothetical more than we need to rip, rip the hypothetical. Uh, Tom, under the hypothetical, no. I, I just, again, you guys have heard me talk about the hot seat and the accountability and all that. But I don't think he would be making a move. In season, no. No. You know, the other thing about in season is, like, I've always felt this. Like, is there someone on your coaching staff you really want to evaluate to be a head coach? Like, and again, I'm getting a little drastic with that. But I I do like Bubba Ventrone, but I I don't know if – I don't know. Interim head coaches, man, it's so hard. Yeah. Dan Campbell's, like, one of the few that's, like, been an interim – lost the interim tag, became an assistant again, and then became a head coach eventually.
1: Right. Uh, Second to last question. This one comes from Chris. Number one, will we be better or worse at the left tackle position than we were last season? Number two, how much blame should Eric Fisher get for Carson's play last year? I think Wentz would still be an Indy if he had a competent left tackle to pass block last year. Fisher cost us the Tampa Bay game last season, and I think Matt Pryor is going to be an upgrade.
0: Chris, you might argue if you sat down with Carson Wentz, or excuse me, if you sat down with Eric Fisher, he would say if I had a better quarterback – I would have looked better last year. If I had a quarterback that got rid of the ball, that processed a little bit quicker.
1: And then if you're drinking with, you know, Jim, he may say, you know, the defense has to hold them from not
0: scoring either, so it's not all just on the left tackle. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know, prior we just have never seen Eddie. I mean, yeah, I guess we saw him last year in, in that Raiders game, and I brought up the run blocking, the pass blocking, and I do think Matt Ryan is naturally going to help out Matt Pryor this year because he is going to be more of a processor and going to be able to identify pre-snap where exactly the front is coming from and where they could potentially attack the Colts. So yeah, I mean it's going to be hard not to compare Pryor and Fisher, but again, you got to acknowledge the quarterbacks are are, are different. But Fisher certainly. I mean, he mentioned Tampa Bay game. I feel like the what's the Ravens game, there was a big strip sack. Oh, there was another one. There was another one in there as well. I'm kind of forgetting right now. Tennessee. Was it Tennessee?
1: Yeah, back toward the end zone.
0: Hell, was it Landry? Might have been. Gosh. All right, you said we got one more?
1: Yes, this is from Jason. You know, I probably should have chosen a different name than Jim. I was just throwing out, you know, some general name there.
0: Yeah, I, well, I thought Ursa at first. I was kind of like, okay. Yeah, yeah well, probably. I mean?
1: didn't mean Ursa. I mean, I <laughs> just like the first random name that popped into my mind. All good, brother. Uh, Jason. Final question. Uh, first, Michael uh, Pittman Jr. is fantastic. That being said, is he a twenty million dollar a year receiver on his next contract? Given the way the Reich offense spreads the football around, I say yes to a five-year $100 million deal because it'll be a bargain when we uh, when the new TV deal money kicks in.
0: Yeah, I think he has $20 million. You know, when you hear spread the ball around, I'm not necessarily saying training camp is going to be the end-all be-all and is exactly how the regular season's going to unfold, but Michael Pittman got like I mean, he had three times as many catches as anybody else on the team. So I don't know if they're going to be spreading it around a ton. I think you're going to have a definite number one. And, you know, he needs to draw that attention. Yeah, I think you give him the deal. you got to have a, a number one presence more than anything. Um, and I also think he, he deserves it. And I think he'll show that this year is what I'm getting at. Obviously, year three has got to unfold how I'm thinking. Year three will unfold.
1: There are currently 14 wide receivers making $20 million a year.
0: You know, Pittman ranked, what, like 16th or 18th in catches and yards last year. I, I expect him to go up in those league rankings and he's 20 something years old he stands for a whole lot of what you want to stand for off the field
1: yes a guy like Terry McLaurin just got 23.2 per year you could argue the production for Pittman has been very similar, if not maybe slightly better.
0: Isn't it the touchdown thing? That's got to come up for Pittman. That seems to be the big gripe for a lot I w- of
1: people. I would argue that that would be the gripe for McLaurin as well. I mean, McLaurin's only really? been four or five touchdown guys. He hasn't been at eight or nine. I mean, yeah. If Pittman can be eight or nine, I mean, right. That's I mean you know, that's about me about, about average. Those
0: franchises, where would you be without those two?
1: Yeah, you know, I,
0: I, we're just kind of. We're just nitpicking a little bit there. And some of that, that's product of how much you pay them, frankly. You yep. can't afford to lose them.
1: Yeah, make sure to join the Pick'em League, too. I'll tweet that out again after the pod today. Yes. Uh, go please. to my Twitter, at Eddie Garrison underscore. That's E-D-D-I-E-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N with the underscore. And I'll have that Pick'em League uh, sent out. We've got about 15, 17 people in there already. Hoping to add a little bit more.
0: Yes, let's do that. Uh, please tweet out that link, and I will retweet you. And we'll continue to do that, obviously, all next week. But thank you for plugging your Twitter account On that, Fantasy League is full. Correct. So thank you, everybody that's joined that. Well, there's one spot left. I'm just waiting on you to join. Is it still me? Yeah, I think so. Did you, will you send that to my Gmail here? Oh, you need me
1: to email it to you? I texted it to you.
0: Did you? Oh, I guess if you text it to me, I can just join from my phone. Um, Yeah, let's talk about this offline. (laughs) Uh he's Eddie Garrison I see it right here my my fault he's Eddie Garrison I am Kevin Bowen everybody have a great weekend enjoy the three-day weekend if you've got that uh stay safe and we will talk to you next Wednesday is where we're tracking for on that front thanks everybody for listening to Kevin's Corner this has been Kevin Bowen thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage